ke koutou katoa. I'm Sue Berman and this is Kura Tuturu, Real Gold. In this podcast we explore Auckland Library's heritage and research collections. And today I'm meeting with Liam Appleton, research librarian based here at the Central City Library. Liam has been part of a team of people that's brought back to life a scale model of the Auckland Central City of the late 1960s. It's creating a bit of a buzz and a lot of interest here on the ground floor of the Central City Library. Kia ora Liam, thanks so much for taking the time to chat with me today. Perhaps you can just start by telling me what we are looking at. Kia ora. Uh, We are looking at the Central Area Model, which was completed in 1968, and it's around 20 square metres in size. Um, Around about, I think, uh, three and a half by six metres. It is a one 480th scale model of the Central Auckland area. Uh, So it recreates the Central Auckland terrain from the waterfront through to the... um, viaduct uh, motorways, Spaghetti Junction, and uh, enclosing the areas with Grafton Gully running around uh, uh, and the motorways heading towards uh, Victoria Park and the Harbour Bridge. Uh, This model was produced um, to help visualise future developments in the central city area. At the time in the 1960s, the City Council was trying to work out uh, how future developments, particularly the creation of those motorways, uh, were going to impact um, the future of the central city. Uh, and it's a pretty significant object in that respect um, because um, the central area team um, who built this model uh, would go on to produce the first plan of central Auckland, um, which uh, they delivered in 1974. Just over in the display cabinet next to the exhibition, we have uh, actually a sample of the front cover of that plan, and you can read it, uh, copies of it here at Auckland Libraries, if you're so interested. (laughs) And it is really, it is so interesting to both kind of get a visual cue of some of our really familiar, kind of iconic buildings, you know, you can clearly see um, the building down on the the waterfront um, that uh, was Ports of Auckland building, um, ride through sort of the civic, and just while we've been standing here, we've had you know a variety of people wander over. So it's really attracting people, isn't it, to kind of have a good look at? Yeah, I think the distinctive uh, quality of the model is just it's so large, um, and it gives you a bird's eye view of the city, the kind of view that you would not ordinarily get um, naturally. I believe one of the figures um, the archives team found when they were um, looking through some of the material for this is that if you're looking at it from floor view, it's the equivalent of being at a height of around a thousand meters. Um, Although how the planning team actually used this um, was with a device called a model scope, a sort of endoscopic attachment which could be used, um, well, which could be viewed uh, directly Um, just by looking through it, or it could be attached to a camera to simulate a more ground-level view of the city. Um, So the scale of it was particularly important. uh, Because it was a working, it was effectively a working document or or kind of model that was actually had planning implications for, yeah, so it needed to be all on scale, didn't it? Yeah, uh, a considerable amount of effort uh, was put into building the model exactly to scale. 
um, and I can talk a little bit about the process that was involved in doing that. Well, that'd be really great, and a little bit about the materials, because it's a bit of a mix, isn't it? Although largely wooden, by the looks of things. Yeah, yeah. Um, the process of making the model started in 1966 with aerial surveys. Um, they contracted a special aerial survey company out uh, from Hawke's Bay. Uh, and these photos captured the geographic information which allowed the landscape of central Auckland to be uh, reproduced uh, with great precision. These aerial photographs were then drawn up into maps which included not just the um, geographic information uh, but also the property information. Um, I was able to establish a looking on Kura, the Auckland Library's Heritage Database, that we had actually already digitised these maps during our previous um, projects. Mm -hmm. uh, so you can view these online and you can find some examples um, here at the exhibition. Um, these maps are unusual because they have both the geographic and the information about where buildings are located and the mm -hmm. different sites, which is not that common on um, maps of this type. You'd usually have separate maps for geographic and um, what they call cadastral information, information about um, where legal building sites and um, land ownership uh, divisions are located. Mm. And that information combined together is what the uh, map, uh, sorry, the model makers used to create the model. There are around 4,000 buildings um, that were created for the model when it was initially built. Um, and they're all handcrafted out of cedar. Um, because this is a working model, they're not highly detailed models. The object is more to get a view of the, the landscape than it is um, to reproduce the exact um, appearance of every single building, right down to the details of, of windows and, and physical features. And also because, as this is a planning tool, um, different buildings were being crafted and inserted into the model to imagine how different proposals uh, would appear when they were actually built. Uh, the model makers, um, well, the model was built by a team of just two people, hmm. um, and it took them around 18 months from beginning of construction until it was completed in August of 1968. Hmm. Um, these were very uh, young employees of the planning department. Um, Tony Warren, who appears in the articles promoting the model in uh, 1968, is listed as just being 20 years old when it was completed. Um, and he was thought to be the only specialist scale model maker um, in New Zealand at the time, having had special training in uh, the UK prior to being hired by Auckland Council, or Auckland City Council, pardon me, um, for this project. Um, and part of the model's value was immediately seen in, in it being an object of public display, um, by allowing people to uh, see for themselves what a new proposal might look like. Okay. It was thought that um, the public could be persuaded or um, could see the value of different proposals by having them visually represented. So, I was going to ask, is this its first sort of public outing? But in fact, it's had other other opportunities to be viewed. Yeah, I think the fact that we are now displaying this object um, is somewhat poetic. Um, it's sort of a, a bit of a circular history of the object in that it's always been an object of public interest and display. And by exhibiting it again, we are in some ways uh, returning to an aspect of, of, of its history.
One of the first things the council did in 1968 was put the model on display in the Milton Choice Department Store on Queen Street. Uh, and I've seen references to it being on exhibition a number of different times. It was also available for public and school visits um, when it was uh, under operational use by the city council. Um, so school groups or university students or um, developers could book appointments to view the model. And developers um, would sometimes uh, even bring their own model buildings mm -hmm. in order to show off what their planned buildings might look like to uh, investors or um, planners. By the 1980s, the planning department actually began uh, making this a requirement. So there are a number of examples of somewhat unusual buildings which were never actually built, um, which are in the collection. If you view the model during its exhibition, you'll see that a number of the spaces on the board are unfilled because we couldn't actually work out which buildings among the loose objects we have, uh, which of them were uh, supposed to go in there. I heard it was a little bit like building Lego without the, uh, without the instruction. Yeah, I think that is an apt description, although um, that probably takes us to the subject of how the model was actually built and what materials mm -hmm. it's made out of. Um, because at least two of the pieces of the model are missing, we can see along one of the sides what a cross-section of uh, its construction looks like. Um, the model was built in segments because it was always uh, envisioned that it would need to be moved. And moving a single 20 square meter object uh, would have been quite tricky. Um, so the, each segment begins with a wooden base upon which uh, the model builders layered um, pieces of polystyrene to create the landforms of the central city. On top of the polystyrene, uh, they painted with gypsum um, to create a smooth surface. Uh, over that surface, we have roads that are made from cardboard. Mm -hmm. uh, they've been painted appropriately asphalt grey. Mm -hmm. um, the trees, if, we, uh, if you were to look up close to them, you'll see they're made out of wire and steel wool. Although I also have seen descriptions that some of these trees are made out of pieces of old mattresses, um, painted a nice verdant green. They dot uh, especially areas around Albert Park, uh, the university, Grafton Gully, and I think I can also see from my standpoint here Altea Square mm. and Myers Park. I also previously mentioned the buildings, uh, so they're made out of cedar. Um, yeah, they were never intended to be too complex, um, but to be produced at the scale that measured up to the precise proportions of mm. um, the buildings, uh, the building sites, and the actual buildings. At the bottom here of the, of the model, which is where we're standing, looking kind of up, we're, we're standing in the Watamata Harbour, <laughs> possibly kind of maybe where Devonport might be coming in or, or something like that, um, uh, in the sea part, which is, it takes quite a bit of the model, doesn't it? You know, it's, it's nice that they've added the value of the harbour um, yeah. into the model. Yes, yes. Although... Uh, there is an aspect in that um, because the harbour area was uh, under the governance of uh, the Harbour Board, or what's now the Ports of Auckland, uh, this would have been uh, somewhat out of scope of uh, the Auckland City Council uh, Planning Department. Um, nonetheless, it was important to representing the full scale of the central city area and understanding how different parts would relate together. Um, but 
there is remarkably little change to, I think, the waterfront area compared to the inner city areas which the council did actually have uh, planning control over. So I mentioned that um, the model was intended to be used uh, for planning functions. Um, because the buildings, uh, the materials allowed the, the model to be modified and, and buildings to be removed and new ones put in. One of the reasons um, that planners would do this is because it allowed, because the model was made to precise um, scale, combining the model scope with a uh, spotlight could simulate light and shade um, as if a natural light source. And that allowed um, planners to um, better understand how a different uh, developments would affect um, a city area. Amazing. Over time though, this advantage became less necessary as computer technology became uh, more sophisticated over uh, subsequent decades. Um, the requirement to use the model for this kind of simulation um, became less necessary. Kind of around about when did something like this phase out and more computer modelling phase in? It's hard to say exactly, but I think judging from the lack of uh, certain buildings on the model, uh, there is some judgement that could be made. Um, the area where Sky City, for instance, now stands on the model is completely blank. Um, so it would, um, you would think a major development like that would be represented on the model. Um, so at least um, by the late 1990s, um, the model had stopped being updated. And we know that it hadn't been seen in public for some time before 2010, which was the last time this model was exhibited to the public mm. as part of um, an exhibition arranged by the Auckland University of Technology. Um, so this is the first time in 12 years um, that the model has been in public. I think it's safe to say that it isn't in uh, the best days of its life. Um, it has uh, been a while since it's had regular maintenance. Planning department ensured uh, while the model was operational that it was updated and repaired every year to make sure that the street layouts uh, matched the current um, construction in central Auckland and uh, the damage that the model suffered uh, during use was repaired. The materials, uh, the polystyrene, the cardboard, um, these were not expensive materials, but they were also not especially durable materials. Um, one of the planners um, writing to a Brisbane uh, business group who were looking at building their own scale model um, explained that because their planning department moved the model frequently, um, it suffered quite a bit of wear and tear. Um, the polystyrene, of which in the 70s, um, only perhaps a decade into its lifetime, was already growing brittle um, because the segments needed to be turned on their side to fit through doorways. Yeah. There was a risk of um, pieces falling off the model during use. Um, apparently, some buildings were lost during these movements. And then there was just the issue of finding an appropriate space to put um, a model of such significant size uh, where it could be useful. And I think this, judging by the reports from the council planners um, during the 70s and the 80s, this seems to have been a problem that was never truly solved.
Um, it spent much of its uh, life in the late 70s through the 80s uh, in a room in the upper floors of the Auckland Town Hall um, rather than in the Civic Administration building on Grays Avenue where the planning department was actually located. Um, there's some suggestion that during the early 80s planners were only visiting it about twice a month because they had to remove themselves from the usual workspace in order to access the model and the council publicist was also not terribly enthusiastic about this old drafty room in the town hall in terms of providing a space for public visits. So that was probably not the best of time. So it's had quite a, quite a journey really around, around the place and now here it's landed at the central library which is actually just the perfect space for it isn't it um, for a public a public viewing what's what's next do you know and how long will people have to come to view the model what's next is a very good question the model uh, remains the property of the Auckland Council Planning Department um, so even though the model is effectively retired it's still um, it's, it's its ultimate place has, has yet to be determined. I think it's such a significant and remarkable object um, that it probably uh, needs to be kept somewhere. The trouble would be uh, working out exactly under what conditions uh, and where it is to be stored. An earlier model, uh, the 1939 uh, centenary diorama, is currently on display in the ground floor of the Albert Street Council headquarters, alongside one of the more recent uh, 3D printed models uh, recently uh, created um, by the Auckland City Council in uh, collaboration with the University of Auckland. Um, so this would be at least a third model. Hopefully we will have some sense before the exhibition finishes, which uh, will be on the 22nd of July. Um, hopefully by then we will have some sense of a more permanent future for the object. It has had a long life and I think it's has a lot to say about um, the history of um, the history of thinking about the future of Auckland, and I think the future of the city is something that is on everyone's minds. And this was a way in the past that the future of the city was envisioned. So now it sort of uh, remains as a reminder about the ways in which we used to think about the future. I'm also really proud about how this exhibition turned out. Um, we couldn't have put on the Model City exhibition without the collaboration of multiple teams here in the Central Library. Um, not just myself from the research team, but also the Unique Experiences team who produced um, the display and video material. Um, the Special Collections team who helped put on the display cases. The Council Archives team who helped uh, locate the research material and archival material, which I used to write uh, my piece about the poem, which they also used for the display case content. I think the end result is something that only uh, we could have put on here in the Central Library, uh, using the material that we hold. I hope that people enjoy uh, what we've created um, to help explain the story of this object.
my Harimayu, welcome to come down and have a look at the model yourself, available to the end of July here at the Central City Library. If you'd like to learn more and read the blog that Liam has written about the model, check out the links in the podcast details below. Like or follow the Auckland Library's podcast to hear more from us on a variety of topics from books and beyond to heritage concerts and including this, Korotuturu Real Gold about Auckland Library's heritage and research collections.